1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome back to ASSR Central here on Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. My name is Ross McLeod. Joined this week not by David Hockney, uh, breaking a streak of four straight weeks in a row where me and David covered everything from a record-breaking show to just an absolute CM Punk meltdown. Joining me for a quieter week in wrestling news, Scott McLeod. Scott, how are you? It does seem to be my role now, doesn't it? Like, it does feel like the last
0: few Centrals, it's just been us on been a quiet one, like we did one right before Wembley, like before you did your separate Wembley preview and like, it felt like there was bugger ought to talk about on that one either but you know, Dave Dave was on here for four weeks there and I think we can all agree that was three weeks too many
1: <laughs> No, no, Dave, Dave did a good job there, you and I um, struggled through last Central because there was nothing to talk about and then immediately after, Terry Funk died Bray Wyatt died CM Punk's AEW career died, there was Wembley, there was firings, there was everything in between. It came thick and fast. Um, This week, there is substantial news, uh, but thankfully... Not as mental news going forward, but before we start all that, if you want to listen to our previous ESSR centrals, including our all-in review and our emergency CM Punk podcast, you can find it at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on iTunes, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites at Suplex Retweet. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we're on it. Scott, it's a sentence I never thought I'd say without the phrase because he's passed away um, but Vince McMahon no longer owns WWE the era of McMahon is over
0: yeah it seems like, uh, like I said I agree with you when we talked about the, the idea of a sale and when he initially stepped away last year when he uh, during all the allegations it's hard to think of the phrase Vince McMahon no longer like having creative or like the majority control of D.A.B. without the phase because he's passed away. It's like being called sir without the phase, you're making a scene. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely on the business side of things, it seems like he doesn't have the control. The majority of control. It does seem like, no matter the head of uh, Endeavour, it seems like being adamant about having Vince involved in some capacity, I think this does mean that Vince can't get away with a lot of the things he did get away with before. And that if he felt it was detriment to the company, he could be ousted like, by the heads of Endeavor, I think. But uh, I think that's what some people are worrying about is maybe you know, business control. But given Raw, some people are worrying about whether or not he'll continue to have creative control in any way.
1: Well, we'll go into to that just now, um, because obviously the article here says, WWE UFC's merger has officially closed, with Endeavour today officially announcing the creation of TKO Group Holdings. The new premium sports and entertainment company has now began trading on the NY Stock Exchange under the TKO ticker symbol. Um In an official press release, Endeavour and TKO CEO Ari Emanuel described the creation of TKO Group Holdings as an exciting new chapter for UFC and WWE as leaders in global sports and entertainment, Uh, while TKO's executive chairman Vince McMahon said that WWE is optimally positioned for future growth and success as part of TKO, as per previous agreements, Endeavour will own 51% of a controlling interest in TKO, while the existing WWE shareholders will will own 49%. So Vince McMahon only owns part of a 49% sharehold. Um, also moving forward, Dana White, the UFC founder, will become the chief executive officer of UFC. Uh, Lawrence Epstein retaining his role of Senior Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer of UFC on the WWE side. Nick Khan will switch positions from WWE CEO to the President of WWE. Um, Just looking here. So, yeah, he's not going to get away with as much as he did before. Uh, It seems very much... uh, Vince had a business-like approach, but at the same time, it was still a wrestling company. It looks very much now that it's a ballroom, and that he won't get away with um, wrestling shenanigans, shall we say?
0: <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you rattling all that info off, and I was following as best I could. But to me, all it said was business, 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 <laughs> business. But uh, also, you got Nick Cannon in a position up there. He's just been slowly but surely, you know, climbing the ladder, as it were.
1: Mm. Patience, please. Monty, climb the ladder. <laughs>
0: Thinking when I said that, I remember a few, like originally it was like Triple H was on the the board on the WWE side, but then he was said that he wouldn't have a position in that capacity anymore. Which I think some people were unfairly being upset against said because really the perfect situation here is we should hope Vince stays on the business side and out of creative, and Triple H should stay in the creative and out of business because it seems like the perfect setup for for like fans of like what's been happening in the last year or so. And, mm-hmm. he, and like you know, he like can't help himself. He would stay over on the bid side, and like that, can would be involved in there as well because, you know, you know, you can't you can't deny that this year, you know, we keep saying it on central, they making record breaking profits, and well, this is the highest grossing of this event of all time, and this is that the next thing. So Endeavor, I think it was said when they first made the purchase before the merger was official that they were want to see significant return on their investment. So. I think the well, way continue the strategy they have been doing because it's seemingly going to make Endeavour as well as WWE a lot of money.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Vince McMahon last night, uh, in his final night of complete control, returned to Raw via satellite um, after recovering from back surgery, according to Dave Meltzer on Wrestling Observer Radio. Um, McMahon had not been involved in the creative decisions for WWE as of late, uh, however, he did make alterations last night, which is why things were not advertised ahead of time. Uh, the company was changing plans, at, uh, making late matches. Triple H also apparently made some late tweaks, but according to Meltzer Insiders, the tweaks Vince McMahon made were probably for the better, uh, but there were many of them, and significant despite him being involved. Uh, he was not physically in attendance, as we mentioned. Um it remains to see if it will be the case going forward. However, McMahon is reportedly going to be, quote-unquote, the guy once again, despite all the changes behind the scenes regarding WWE's ownerships. Uh, the wrestling side is going to be seen as Vince McMahon's baby and creative choices and decisions about the company in general will be up to him once again. He's he's like the Terminator. If you don't kill him, he'll just keep coming. He, he'll, he's like Jason Voorhees. He, is that him for Friday the 13th? Is that Michael Myers. That yeah. was oh, his voice. All right. All right. So um, he just he just keeps coming back. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a horror movie fan, as you can tell. Um, probably get David Campbell, the the film junkie himself, screaming wrong moron at the, <laughs> at the radio just now. That's um, <laughs> it. But um, yeah, it looks like um, Vince McMahon. Has basically got complete creative control of WWE again. The only thing that's changed now is he doesn't answer to shareholders of WWE, he answers to shareholders of TKO. Um, I watched a documentary on Vice called The Nine Lives of Vince McMahon. I think he superseded that, and I think he'll outlive his old Scott. Oh, <laughs> uh,
0: Jesus. And much like uh, Michael Myers or uh, Jason Voorhees. With their multiple sequels, the more times events does come back, it, you know, it seems to get worse and worse. <laughs> and I know like what the report might say that this changes or seems like for the better that he made. Like It's still a case of like at this point when we hear the term like stuff being changed at the last minute. It does give you that sense of dread because it was a constant trope of Vince, especially in that 2021, 2022 period before he was ousted briefly. And I think it it it's a frustrating when you don't know when you're turning in role, like what you're gonna see whether for the bit for the best or for the worst, and especially if you have got a match advertised that you're looking forward to it's probably frustrating from a talent perspective to have all these changes. so I think that's why people were kind of, kind of sick of that idea, and it did seem like if if, if, this was, if this was gonna be one of Vince's last proper nights in control, he was just going hog wild on it and going all out It's like Frank and always saying like i ain't got. To, I ain't got too long left. I'm going to get real weird with it.
1: <laughs> Why not? He's. I think he's doing the Billy um, The I'm going to enjoy being old. I'm just going to shout at people and what have you. Um, but, yeah. Okay, bro, moustache. Oh, my God, that fucking moustache. But, anyway... Let's move on uh, to record breaking to back breaking or leg breaking or whatever other injury she causes. Nia Jax is back in WWE in a return that no one asked for. <laughs> Nia Jax made a return in the Royal Rumble as number 30 before the timer even went down. Uh, this past year's Women's Royal Rumble. She appeared uh, attacking Raquel Rodriguez, uh, costing her the match against Rhea Ripley. She then took out Rhea Ripley after the Women's World Championship match. Scott Nia Jacks back in WWE. Any interest in any matches with her? or? Uh, not really, no. <laughs> okay,
0: right, moving on. <laughs> For somebody so unpopular, even the Royal Rumble buzzer, an automated... You know, noise that someone has to press a button to activate. Didn't even want her back. It's like even the buzzer's like, "I'm not, I'm not sounding off for her." No, no way. Uh, I mean, it's it's a very it's a far cry from the returns of your your Bailey's, your Dakota guys, and your like, you know, Bronson Reeds of the Triple H era, and first proper return under Vince and oh, Naya Jax, because we're all clamoring for for Nia to be back. And <laughs> yeah, what, what do we do with the woman who? He's been injuring folk. Let's give her the bonsai drop as a finisher. I Me, mean, that won't go wrong in any way whatsoever. Also, Jesus, we tell you, tell us what you think of Nia. Jack's giving her that as a finisher, and you've got fucking Rhea who, you know, had those reports where her knee kept popping in and out. Like since the Rumble, so yeah, I, I really, really busy hoping pray for the safety of our legs, arms, head, everywhere else if Rhea Ripley has to get in the ring with with Nia Jacks.
1: Um, somebody put on Twitter it was a backstage interview with um, Raquel Rodriguez before the match saying I'm not like most people and someone tweeted please tell me they're not hinting at a Nia Jax return and then obviously later in the night Nia Jax returns um, well picked up by at big time EST on Twitter well done there mate um, think, backstage think, detail so you go I think there's
0: a screenshot of her standing over Raquel and somebody said well, Vince certainly left his biggest creative centre to
1: last. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is coming from Fightful Select, uh, mentioning, uh, the details of Nia Jax's new deal with WWE and the end of a hiring freeze ahead of waiting on the TKO merger to happen. Uh, so apparently she's been under contract for quite some time as per Fightful Select. Nia Jax was signed with WWE over a month ago with sources telling Fightful that she's expected to return on recent shows. A report further said that her return had nothing to do with the Endeavour Group mergers. Uh, Endeavor Group's merger with WWE, which is set to be complete this week. WWE's hiring freeze, which has been in place since the start of the year, has reportedly concluded as well. Many in WWE reportedly expected her to come back earlier than this Monday. Uh, so much like Carlito who's under contract and they don't really know uh, what to do um, yeah it just seems like she was under contract and they were waiting for that right moment
0: I love, We've heard stories of this hiring fees, it was, it was apparently why Nick this went to impact for that brief run and why mm-hmm. he seemed like a producer rather than a wrestler for this current period you know, allegedly it might have been why we stopped the pursuits of to of Kota Ibushi and why JY may have opted for for AEW, which is why it didn't seem to have any plans for him when he came in because I don't think they were expecting to get Jay White when they did. So, yeah, like, oh, day we can hire again under this new regime. Oh, Jay White, Koebishi, Nicholas. No, but Vince, like, no, I've got something better. You remember Nia Jax?
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Do you remember Nia Jax? Not fondly. Um, <laughs> think should have been the answer to that. But anyway, Nia Jax is back. Um, I think I had a, a chat with uh, David Campbell about what I thought was a lack of um, top stars in the women's division or more more um, accurately, a lack of big threats. Uh, Rhea Ripley has been billed as this larger-in-life character. So people like Raquel Rodriguez and Nia Jax coming in does, um, does create... Challengers for Rhea Ripley, but I think because Rhea Ripley has been built so highly, it's like Rhea, the two of them, and then everybody else, like until the, the eventual Becky versus Rhea WrestleMania match. Um, but let's move on from WWE to Impact Wrestling. Impact Wrestling presented Victory Road uh, this past Friday, September 8th, uh, from White Plains, New York, at the Westchester County Centre. Uh, There were 11 matches on the card. I'm just going to run through them just now. Alan Angels issued an open challenge to anyone from New York. So from Little Italy came the former Nudzio, (laughs) Guido. Um, ABC, Bullet Club's Ace Austin and Chris Bay defeated Moose and Brian Myers by a pinfall. Both those matches were on the kickoff show. Leo Rush defended his X Division Championship in an absolute sensational match against Kushida. Um, MK Ultra Killer Kelly and Masha Slamovic defended the Impact Knockouts World Tag Team Championships try saying that five times fast against Giselle Shaw and Savannah Evans Crazy Steve defeated Black Taurus in a match that really wasn't necessary uh, Title versus career Tommy Dreamer defeats Kenny King to retain his career and win the Impact Digital Media Championship. Jordan Grace returns and finally, at the fifth attempt, beats Deanna parazo in a match of the night contender. PCO defeated Billy Ray in an Anything Goes match in a worst match of the century contender. Uh, the Rascals defeated the Morset Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin to retain the Impact Knockouts World... Uh, no, sorry, the Impact World Tag Team Championship. Trinity defeated Alicia Edwards in a... Attitude Era-esque match of shenanigans, referee bumps, interferences to retain the Impact Knockouts World Championship and Josh Alexander in the main event in a match that should have taken place at Rebellion defeated Steve Macklin. Scott, what would you like to talk about, good or bad? Because it was was certainly a mixed bag. You and I spoke that um, Impact haven't done a, a monthly special in a while they did Emergence two weeks ago. It was good. Um, however, they've been building to Impact 1000 that airs this coming Thursday. We'll not do any spoilers at all. Um, but, you know, they've been building to that, and then it was like, oh crap, we have this two weeks after one special, and four days before another special. Um, so what were your thoughts of it? Well, I-, I
0: agree with you. It did seem to come out of nowhere a lot of the like, I knew most of the big matches, but then you were telling me before I went to watch it, yeah, about some matches that you'd seen already, like the Angels match, the tag team match, Crazy Teeth, Black I'm like, I'm sorry, did I miss this? Like, where the fuck did all this all this stuff get added? It's like watching Rampage the day a couple of days before an AEW pay per view. Like, oh, by the way, there's three more matches on the on the zero ever. show. so <coughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, it did seem kind of nowhere, and like the it's the like they were really building. The main focus was on Impact 1000, which. I'm not giving any spoilers, from what I've heard of people who are at the tapings, they seem to have taken two episodes of Impact at that tape in the next night. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. heard or whether or not that means the Impact 1000 celebrations are being spread across two episodes. Like, given how much mm-hmm. they were at that tape, and I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. But, you know, as much as I love Impact, and you and I have tried to sing its praises on this show, I'm going to talk very, something for the worse here, and I've already given you my thoughts on this, and I feel it had to be shared on a platform like this. Tommy Dreamer versus Kenny King. <laughs> fucking embarrassing. Absolute fucking. Why is Tommy Dreamer beating Kenny King? I mean, Kenny King's not one of my favorites here, but fucking Heath getting involved as well. But uh, Heath, Heath got started the biggest heel turn of the fucking of twenty twenty three, in my opinion. For healthy, Tommy Dreamer <laughs> <Tommy laughs> getting winning a title with digital media in it. Tommy Dreamer. It's getting close to an age where he needs where his daughters need to help him fucking figure out how to turn a computer on. Jesus. <laughs> it, the Whole E C dub thing as well and everything, like he was trying to go for the whole Terry fungus aesthetic. But yes, Terry fungus despite being knackered, having barely any cartilage on one of his knees when he won the ECW TO, managed to make the whole old crazy old guy coming back for one more run same thing seem endearing when it could have been tragic. Whereas Tom Dreamer actually makes it fucking tragic. And I think one part of my issue with this match was maybe I'm just sick of the whole people like Tommy and people like Billy reference about to, oh, ECW, like... And I feel like Billy Conley, when he talks about religion, like, it's fucking over, lads. It's over. Like, Nick Wayne, here's an example. ECW's been dead longer than Nick Wayne's been alive. That's how long it's been (laughs) ECW went away.
1: That is some stat there. Um, Yes, it did feel like... um, there was a sort of fun, one-night-only ECW reunion in the um, Call Your Shot Battle Royal at, um, what was it, Bound for Glory in 2021, 22? Uh,
0: 22, yeah, because then Billy yeah. Ray
1: came he's returning. No, that. So it seemed like there was a fun little one, and it's like Rhino, still an active wrestler, surprisingly young because he'd got into wrestling quite young and then you had Dreamer and Billy Ray come out and it was like, hey, pop the Philly crowd that's great, brilliant but then they stuck around and then you're like, go, go away the, the, the pop has died and so has ECW Um so let's, let's give a, a bit of background obviously on the Tommy Dreamer match, there was the story and impact with Johnny Swinger um, he was told if he, he's a jobber, he never wins. He was told if he managed to get 50 wins in a row, he could um, get an impact world title shot. He managed to get two wins in a row and decided that he was going to go after the digital media championship. It was quite a fun storyline. Uh, Kenny King ends up defeating him heartbreakingly because I bet I thought Johnny Swinger was going to win. After the match, Tommy Dreamer stopped Kenny King attacking. Uh, as he's an impact producer backstage, Kenny King and Sheldon Jean then beat the hell out of Tommy Dreamer and they announced a title versus career match. Scott, I'm going to be honest, I I know that a lot of the time it was Kenny King carrying him through and Tommy Dreamer, you know, there was one spot where he was meant to do a bump through the middle rope onto the apron and he did it in slow motion because he's clearly not fit to wrestle anymore at 53. Um which isn't a, a, by the way, Tommy Dreamer's not fit to wrestle at 53 anymore. That's not to say anyone else is. I mean, we saw Sting, but Tommy Dreamer clearly is done as a wrestler. But the emotion going into this match and with the Terry Funk thing aside, sorry, with the Terry Funk aesthetic, I I quite, I I bought into it. I I teared up when Tommy Dreamer won and I know you teared up, but it was out of sheer anger. But yeah. when uh, Heath interfered and, you know, hit Kenny King with the with the roster cut and then Tommy Dreamer gets the pin, I, I quite enjoyed it. I, I do agree, ECW needs to fuck off. It's over, lads. Move on. Live in the you now. Know? Live in the now, yeah. But Tommy Dreamer, and by the way, guys, I'm not saying this because I've avoided all spoilers for Impact 1000. I think Tommy Dreamer will probably drop it at those tapings or before Bound for Glory. Um, we still have we still have turning point in the UK. Tommy Dreamer is going to be part of that. Um, yeah, so I think Tommy Dreamer does drop it to Kenny King before the inevitable Kenny King versus Heath match, which I'm quite looking forward to at, um, at uh, Bound for Glory. Heath is someone who has done very well in Impact, has a couple of runs with Impact uh, World Tag Championship, but unfortunately injuries have gotten away, so it'd be nice to see Heath get a run with a singles title. But for now, I, I don't really mind Tommy Dreamer. Yes, he's the digital media champion. Yes, he forgets his Facebook password every time he logs in, but, you know, I, I it was it was... Not great, but it wasn't offensively bad. I I quite enjoyed it for what it was, Scott.
0: And I'm and I'm sure a lot of other people probably will as well. And then you might call me a hypocrite because honestly, I don't know how how close an age for the Johnny Swinger and uh, as uh, Johnny Swinger is to Johnny Dream. I know they neither of them are exactly spring chickens or anything, but I would have actually liked it if Johnny Swinger had won, mainly because the fact that he doesn't win a lot makes them quite endearing. And if you have a guy who doesn't win a lot, when I take a digital media title, it really doesn't devalue that belt anymore because that's a belt you can have some fun with. But uh, like you said, some of the slow motion was like, you had to kind of sit down counter to the roll, kind of the same one the bloody Bulldog used to win against Bret Hart. But Jesus, the way he moved out to cutting that pin was like the guy standing in front of the bloody bulldozer and Austin Powers. Stop! I think slowly, slowly,
1: slowly. <laughs> I can just watch and keep fucking Tommy Dreamer fucking And <laughs> So, um, just a, a, a wee point aside to an another thing you said. Uh, Johnny Swinger does use the old-timer gimmick, but he was quite young when he got into wrestling uh, through his uncle, Tony Parisi. Uh, Johnny Swinger was only 48, and when you actually see him out of gimmick, he doesn't look 48, he he looks older because of his gimmick. Tommy Dreamer is 53 in February. Um, so yeah, there's four years between Johnny Swinger and Tommy Dreamer, but there is a lifetime of bumps <laughs> that Tommy has taken that have slowed him down. But yeah, look, I, I didn't mind this. I texted you saying I thought it was better than expected. I enjoyed the the, the emotion around it. I think if this had just been Kenny versus Tommy in a non-title match, or just a normal digital media title match, I wouldn't have liked it. But the title versus career aspect, I think, added to it. I quite enjoyed it. Um, You
0: talk about the progression of a title in a calendar year. A belt that went from Joe Hendry to Kenny King to fucking Tommy Dreamers.
1: (laughs) Well, we'll move on from the bad to something that was really, really good. And it was the opening contest with Leo Rush and Kushida for the Impact X Division Championship. I was... Fearing that they were going to hold off uh, to bound for glory for this because Kushida uh, did win the number one contendership um, at Slammiversary. I thought Leo Rush hasn't really defended the title. He's been involved in multi-man shenanigans, as has the world champion Alex Shelley. I thought, oh God, come on, let's get these guys in a match. And they did a 10-minute match that did not disappoint uh, Leo Rush deflecting Kushida's back fist into the referee, the referee turns away, Leo Rush hits the low blow, and then a glorious fl- frog splash, easy for me to say, uh, to get the win over Kushida. I really, really enjoyed this match. Those guys went 100 miles per hour.
0: Mm. Yeah, definitely. As a fan of, of New Japan and the New Japan like junior off wrestling, these two guys have been competing in that for much of 2023 and 2022, so... I knew that they could build the a that a lot of uh, they could build a match rather that a lot of fans of like the X Division would probably enjoy. And I think the first spot that really took my attention was the counter of the suicide dive into the the hoverboard lock, and just the relentlessness of Kushida going for that move. And I think really in terms of singles matches, we've seen him do quite a bit in impact so far. he was in a a world title match, but I think this is one of the best I've seen Kushida look. Maybe not just a number, but since he came back. Uh, to like to wrestle outside of Derry after he, he left NXT because like we came back to New Japan like late twenty twenty two then he got sick went away came back won the Junior titles with Kevin Knight then seemingly went okay now we're gonna punish you for leaving and now he's he can't fucking buy one over in New Japan but I'm assuming is why he keeps coming back to him back like no they they seem to like me over here
1: <laughs> well so, yeah. I mean, he was in, he was in the World Title match at uh, uh, Rebellion so he was in. One of Impact's big four world title main events. So, I think that's why he keeps coming back here.
0: Yeah, and later like they gave us bully and Abel to, to to Kushida's tag partner Kevin Knight, where they had basically him get a good showing against Leo Rush in the v, but Leo Rush then kept beating him up after the match, counties to get it to get to Kushida. And you know, you can't really disagree with you know the X Division opening up the show if you want to, really take advantage of the crowd when they're at their hottest.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's talk about uh, Deanna Parrazzo, uh, defeated by Jordan Grace. It's the first time uh, Jordan Grace, in five attempts, has managed to get a victory over her. But it looks like Deanna will be heading for free agency at the start of 2024. I'm just looking for the article just now. I did have it. There we are. Uh, So, yeah, at the start of 2024, her contract expires according to Fightful Select this. Jesus, the David Hawking better Wi-Fi fund, the Ross McLeod better Wi-Fi fund would be. Anyway, got it working now. <laughs> According to faithful Select, she's set to enter the free agency market at the beginning of 2024. Um, she originally worked for Impact without an official contract for several months, but went on to sign a, a multi-year deal uh, a few years ago, after being released by WWE in 2020, when redoing her contract, Impact put in an, op- an optional year as Diana overperformed with the original deal. Um, it's unknown whether Diana Perazzo will re-sign. Um, she has spoken with the two companies, uh, AEW and WWE. That is, however, she has spoken with Impact about extending her stay. So it just looks like at the minute. If Perazzo's happy, she'll get the best deal possible at Impact. If she wants to go for money, she'll go to either WWE or AEW. But, uh, well, Trinity and obviously Jordan Grace have decided to re-sign with Impact, the, uh, obviously a uh, company notorious for pushing its women's division. Um, but both big companies have, have dropped the ball with Deanna before. Um, AEW brought her in brought her in for one match against Mercedes Martinez, the most boring woman alive and she just lost the Ring of Honor title cleanly to her, it was one and done it was like, yeah we understand that you know, you've been holding down that title for us while we bought this company, we understand you've been defending it and you know, making that title mean something, but we're going to bring you in and have you just lose like that, we're not even going to acknowledge your title run, just one and done, and obviously in WWE, she was in NXT um, and made an appearance on Raw jobbing to Nia Jax the night after WrestleMania, but other than that nothing really to write home about for Dionna parazzo in NXT so I hope she stays with Impact, she's been a massive part of my enjoyment of Impact since 2020 I just, I don't want her to go somewhere and they just Bugger up all the, the good momentum she has.
0: Yeah, the, the weird thing we heard in that stuff with the Ring of Honor title the only reason I think they did the whole Mercedes as the interim champion is the case of, oh yeah, we want her to do this show and she can work Ring of Honor well part of her deal, but that I may mean, yeah, a weekend just happened to be, oh yeah, it turns out these Impact and Ring of Honor shows are on the same night, so logistically she couldn't make it to the bloody show. And then mm. that led, like, I think she decided uh, she would rather be an Impact than working Ring of Honor. Uh, like do stuff in Ring of Honor as well and it's a shame because if like, she did come to AEW she could do stuff in Ring of Honor because Athena is doing her best but nobody's watching Ring of Honor unfortunately so it would be a lot of good work that was seen by maybe less people than watch Impact and yeah like you said AEW, I'm sure I think she's talking about now she's being hesitant a bit whether well or not she'd really want to go back just to repeat the same mistakes as before but I think she might see the success that Chelsea's had with this Karen character. And I think she could be a decent kind of person to maybe, if she takes Sonia's place or maybe she replaces Piper Niven, she can, you know, the two of them can have an actual decent tag title run without somebody mm-hmm. getting and have some people to have decent characters holding that belt. Or maybe she can go to NXT and be somebody who can carry NXT for a while and kind of sure. the same way Rose kind of carried it. But I agree with what David Campbell talked about in our kind of central group chat and that. Death flies like they don't. AW doesn't seem to know what to do with the majority of their women's division right now. So, yes, she might want to go there because she knows people there. She might feel like it's the best opportunity, but it does feel like AW doesn't know what to do with the people they've got right now. So I don't want her to end it like when they tie here You are for a few months getting a TVS title shot. Okay, now you're on rampage or whatever, but and yeah. I think part of the reason like because I think there was a rumour that Jordan Grace was going to go away was leaving Impact because she was a free agent but now she's re-signed and I'm wondering if maybe part of the reason they were so desperate to re-sign her was because maybe they knew they were maybe they're not sure if the honest going to stick around so they might keep at least one of them around
1: probably why Jordan won as well yeah maybe um Hot dog and a handshake, and putting over the new talent on the way out of the territory, baby. (laughs) Uh, Impact announced a few things at this um, at this pay per view. They announced that the October twenty fifth UK show in Newcastle would act as a turning point uh, for Impact's next monthly special. Um, It would take place after Bound for Glory, the week after Bound for Glory, and air. Two weeks after Bound for Glory, which does, Scott, make me think Impact have a taping, uh, Impact have a Glasgow taping before a Newcastle and two in Coventry. It makes me think possibly the Glasgow taping, maybe the Go Home Impact mm. uh, taped for, because it's being taped on a Thursday, isn't it? Oh, well, yeah, because
0: there are. Because, uh, like I say, the Saturday the twenty-first of October is uh, a little bit quick turnaround. So, like tw- Saturday the twenty-first of October is Ben glory. and then the following Thursday is—I uh, think also they're going to take one or two episodes uh, in Chicago the day afterwards. So they will take that, and then also the Thursday they'll be in in Glasgow because they never really said when they came. They just said they were coming to do shows. They never really said simply they would be taping it. But also the announcement, the turning point thing, made you think they would be taping stuff. Because they did, mm. didn't show full shows, but they did show some matches from their from their tour in Australia on impact.
1: Yeah. Um, so Thursday the 26th of October, as Scott said, uh, Saturday the 21st in Chicago is uh, burn for Glory. However, Thursday the 26th is the start of the UK tour in Glasgow. Uh, Turning Point will be taped Friday the 27th and shown uh, the next Friday, Friday the 3rd of November, which makes me think the Glasgow show will end up being the 2nd of November impact and the 28th and 29th shows in Coventry will end up being the uh, post-Turning Point impact tapings, which will air on the 9th and the 16th, but that remains to be seen. But they did announce that Turning Point would 100% be taped in Newcastle Friday 27th of October, showing... November 3rd on Impact Plus and Fight TV. They announced that Will Osprey will be competing at that event a week after competing for the company at Bound for Glory in Chicago. And they also announced the Hall of Fame inductees for this year's uh, Impact Hall of Fame at Bound for Glory. Mike Tiney and Don West, the original commentary team for the promotion. It's brilliant to see uh, both Mike Mike Tiney and Don West honoured. West unfortunately passed away uh, at the end of uh, last year so nice to see them both getting their due because they were a massive part of the early Impact You know, they were the soundtrack to Impact Wrestling for many years mm-hmm.
0: Yeah Andrew, I mean Mike Tiney had an even longer career before that working for many years in WCW uh, primarily as a guy he brought in during Cruiserweight or international talent matches basically to do what Excalibur does now in Yedin, uh on why these people are important and then he kind of took that knowledge and it kind of made him a good play-by-play guy because he could call moves as it is and knew a lot about the guys there. And Don West was just a, kind of a sounding board to kind of, you know, react to moves, like, and give his genuine reaction because he didn't know a lot about the moves. And obviously, a lot of us hadn't seen a lot of the stuff that was being done in the exhibition at the time, and obviously, so clearly, neither did he. And so when he reacted with that enthusiasm, I made you enthusiastic. because was like, yes, this is a fucking great match, John. You're right, this son." And the whole, obviously, the famous cafe, you've got to be kidding me. You know, long before Mauro and Mamma Mia, there was Don West with these, you've got to be kidding me. And it's nice that they're going in together. I think you could figure that Don would be going in sooner or later, especially after his, his pass. And I'm pretty sure like there were stories that, because like he used to work in, like, home shopping network and, and salesman stuff before working in to. That he stayed with Impact and worked in their sales department after his commentary gig.
1: Yeah, he did, and kudos to both of them because he did a lot of like the TNA shop uh, stuff where he he plugged all their stuff, and he did it with such enthusiasm. You could tell that he had a home shopping background. And hey, talking about people who had an enthusiasm for the sport, Mike Toney commentated in WCW in the Russo days and near the end. And that didn't dampen his enthusiasm for wrestling. That shows me someone who loves wrestling for wrestling's sake. Because, my God, the fact that that man was able to sit through the Vince Russo era and the Ed Ferreira era and just the absolute drizzling you-know-what's And still be a wrestling fan is a testament he should be in the Hall of Fame for that alone. But yeah, lovely to see them both go in. And a nice moment um, where they they did the video package. It went back to uh, Matthew Rewald and uh, Tom. And Tom couldn't speak. He was just overcome with emotion to see those two guys go in. So a nice wee moment there. I thought, thought, oh, I'm going to tear up. And then it went back to Tom. Tear nothing like that. Damn it, Tom!
0: <laughs> and I like the like Mike today clearly shows that he can make you think that something is great and like say something no matter what the company is going through because he stayed in TNA from like 2002 up to I think it was about 2014. You know when things were starting to get really bad under Dixie Carter and things like that. So like you can't say Mike Taney didn't have bloody longevity. Like he'll he'll stick by your company and try and sell you why all of Prince Russell's batshit crazy ideas are actually good and why Hulk Hogan coming in is the greatest thing ever
1: Yeah, no, fair play Uh, Eric Bischoff actually described Mike Tenet as a walking encyclopedia of wrestling knowledge, which I think is an amazing thing for someone who's been around uh, the business as long as as long as Eric Bischoff has. But yeah, nice to see them go in. It'll be great to see um at Turning Point Will Osprey And it'll be good to see Impact, hopefully, doing some UK Impact show tapings. So let's move on from Impact to AEW and a match that should have taken place at the very first Forbidden Door pay-per-view back in 2022. To a match that's going to happen now at the Wrestle Dream pay-per-view. Zack Saber Jr. against Brian Danielson. Um, Wrestle Dream. For those of you that don't know, Tony Khan announced at the All In Media Scrum that they would be holding a pay per view in Antonio in Inoki's honor, called Wrestle Dream. Uh, apparently, Tony Khan looked up to Antonio Inoki, and it was the one year passing, so they've decided um, to honor him with a pay per view. And obviously, there will be a new Japan presence here. October first, Seattle, Washington will be AEW's uh, Wrestle Dream. Scott, another great weekend of wrestling, because the night before we will have uh, NXT No Mercy. So a full weekend, a full weekend of wrestling. But Daniel Bryan on Collision this past week said his career's winding down, and the next person he wants to face is Zack Saber Jr. Zack Saber Jr. accepted the challenge. He's currently the TV champion. Over in New Japan, do you think the title will be on the line or do you think this will just be it's currently being labelled as a dream match?
0: I think the probably best one of the few times I'd say don't put the title on the line because, under the rules of the TV Championship, it's a 50 minute time limit. And so, I'd, I'd like to see this match go a decent length and not be construed by by time limits. And I'd have to think about, you know, oh, they need to get it done now because they've only got 15 minutes. So, I think, especially if like as champion, if Zack Jr. loses, he probably won't lose anything because obviously it's a case of two of the best in terms of technical wrestling trying to prove who's better so it really doesn't need the championship but yeah, it's, it's nice we're finally getting this match that we were we've been waiting for, you know, a lot of fans like myself and grab been waiting for a match like this and that's when you perfectly you know, uh, reacted to Daniel Bryan's uh, challenge during a backstage comment for was oi, oi, dragon Bullocks, he called him uh, <laughs> and, uh, oh, the thing about Zach Virginia's TV title, he's recently become the most successful singles champion of the modern year of New Japan because he's defending that title more, more frequently across Japan and the US. I think he's just reached 14 successful defenses of that title and he only won it and became the inaugural champion back at Wrestle Kingdom on the 4th of January. So a uh, hell of a stat there for, for Zach Virginia and I think these two haven't fought since 2008 <laughs> so it's a real case of like Zack, Junior, has much improved since then, and uh, Daniel Bryan's clearly taking off a bucket list of matches. And if he's only got a year or so left,
1: yeah, and if uh, that is part of the news as well that he will be moving to a part-time schedule soon, I think he he was very o- open and honest about his departure from WWE. He said basically it was now or never to go to New Japan or AEW. It was. You know, AEW were a lot more accommodating to let him do things in other promotions, which you can understand AEW does have a great relationship with the likes of Impact, it owns Ring of Honour now, New Japan, MLW AAA, etc, etc and yeah it, it, he basically took the thing that was best for his career but if he is winding down this is a match that people for years have been clamouring for so it will be great to see you. Another match that will be great is title for title at AEW's Grand Slam from the Arthur Ashes Arena. Uh, Eddie Kingston, the n- n- current strong open weight challenge, strong open weight champion, Jesus Christ, <laughs> <laughs> and New <Louis> Ban <laughs> Strong. Claudio, the current Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion, they're going to go title for title at Arthur Ashes Stadium. Scott, Kingston and Claudio had a a match for the Ring of Honour title WrestleMania weekend before Kingston took a break. Uh, Kingston recently returned to be part of uh, the opposite team at Stadium Stampede against the Blackpool Combat Club. They don't like each other. It's made for some great TV. Do you think this is the time Eddie Kingston finally wins the big one and gets the Ring of Honour title?
0: I'd like to think so. I think with the whole title for title situation uh, going into this and... Eddie Kingston, I think they were meant to do a rematch between these two at Death Before Dishonor. Then Eddie got hurt and then got selected to be in the G1, which ran through most of the summer. And then uh, Claudio had to go through a number of different challenges and cancellations before he eventually got packed. So I think maybe they're going to go for the planet who always wanted to with these two finally, which I think is Eddie win the belt. But I think the fact that he's got a title from New Japan, he, they want to make a bigger moment. I the idea, a, a image of the guy who's But this long in AEW without winning a title, the the game won't he holds up two titles, even though none of them are AEW branded. It's two belts that one's owned by AEW and one that they've got a great relationship with. And, you know, it's seemingly, politics-wise, whenever it's a New Japan champion in a match that involves another title being on the line, more often than not, the guy with the New Japan title wins because New Japan but people losing when they hold one of their titles. So I think not doing it on Ring of Honor in this situation is wise because, I mean, the size of Arthur Ashe Stadium. I think, Twayne said, this is what, Arthur Ashe was probably one of the bigger venues they did pre-Wembley. I think there'll be more, three times more people in the venue than probably watch Ring of Honor on a weekly basis, I'm sorry to say.
1: Yeah, I think, um, if they want a big turnout for a Ring of Honor branded title, you have to kind of hide it under the AEW branding, I'm afraid, Ring of Honor We've talked about it multiple times. You know, should it be its own promotion? Should it be its own show? Should maybe Tony Khan have been realistic considering the viewerships before with Ring of Honor? It has produced some great talent throughout the years. It did have a boom period back when uh, Kenny Omega and the Elite and Bullet Club were doing their thing in Japan. It kind of coincided with the New Japan boom, or sorry, reboom in the West, but. Yeah, Ring of Honor seems to be a, a promotion that people watch five years after it's happened because these guys go on to bigger and better things and then the six people that watched beforehand were like, hey, if you like that, you should check out his feud in Ring of Honor. So, yeah, uh, the the best that Ring of Honor can hope for is being on an AEW-branded show, but a think for title match with Claudio and Kingston I think would be great. And, well, Claudio has been popping up and... um In New Japan, he did pop up with uh, Moxley. Moxley does have um, ties in New Japan, of course. And Moxley is currently the international champion, isn't he? Because that was a title created originally as the All-Atlantic Championship in a a New Japan AEW co-branded pay-per-view, perhaps if Claudia wins the New Japan Strong title and Moxley's got that international title, we might see more of them in New Japan, who knows, but
0: I think, well, sorry, a little bit Dynamite in terms of Grand Slam obviously this is a big show that they do pre-post uh, uh, All Out, I think it's interesting about this year's one, is uh, they're doing the events that oh, we're doing Dynamite Grand Slam and Rampage Grand Slam in the last two years, no announcement about doing a third night uh, or doing a third show of Collision, because I think they'd take Dynamite, they do Dynamite live and Arthur Dash and then Rampage tape but seemingly it doesn't look like we're going to get a collision Grand Slam which is a shame because it's already eclipsed Rampage in just a few months and I think the fact that they would still do Grand Slam for Rampage is probably the most time people ever watch Rampage
1: at this point Yeah, absolutely um, Let's talk about from the good of AEW to the bad of AEW and it seems that the CM Punk drama has not quite ended yet um, Ace Steel, the best friend of CM Punk, a man who really was only brought back um, for to, to appease CM Punk, has has been released. He's been working remotely as a producer. I don't know how he can do that. Um, but he hasn't been backstage at the collision tapings, which led to CM Punk refusing Christopher Daniels' entry to the collision tapings, which was hilarious. Um, but I think we all knew as soon as Punk was gone, Ace Steel would be gone. This, to me, is incredibly petty on Tony Khan's behalf, and it just shows that he was even more of a coward than we thought. He just he, he gave in to all of Punk's demands when, really, if you're going to fire him, you should have fired him a year ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, he should have went like a year ago because like it's one thing that last year with the whole brawl and everything. Like it's I think because a lot of it's, like, it, does seem to be between the Bucks and Punk, like the physical stuff. Uh, I know like Kenny yeah, did get better but still, it was mostly the Bucks and, and Punk, like them getting to a fight. You know, wrestlers have been getting to backstage fights for for years in wrestling, but you know, being an actual staff member, being a producer, and everything. You know, being Punk's friend, you know, the fact that A. steel got into the fight. I think people don't talk about just how unprofessional so that probably is. Uh, you know, having like thrown a fucking chair apparently at one of the Bucks was one of the stories at like, the same time. And you had to laugh at the idea of Pump saying, oh, well, if A. steels here, the Daniels can't be here. Like, yeah, you know, what's the difference? One of them broke up the fight, one of them, the other person was an active participant in the fight. <laughs> so there's a, there's a bit of a difference in, yeah. I think he just wanted to hopefully keep him working remotely mainly so Tony Khan didn't have to think about him so he could pretend he fired him but yeah I think yeah it's long overdue that he should have been fired as kind of an example like I don't care if you're friends with the talent like if you're a producer like you should you know you're a proper like staff member of AEW you need to be held to a bit of a higher standard and not have like favourites within the
1: roster yeah um just an absolute mess. But anyway, we'll move on from that, from the bad to the good. Let's talk the Dudley Boys. Um, apparently, signing a Legends deal, according to Sports Illustrated, with WWE um, means that they're not active wrestlers. However, they won't be able to go anywhere else, such as AEW. I uh, Think, obviously, given the the relationship with AEW and Impact, given the fact that Impact. I've just re- recently celebrated 1,000 episodes. Uh, Team 3D will be wrestling at the taping. Um, I think it was smart of WWE maybe to get these guys in, certainly for network shows and legend shows and what have you.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a decent living for them to, like, to make off the whole legend. Like, it's not just the stuff they've done, but the stuff they've done throughout their day, 10 years, came here, these, like, Special, probably like the style, just shows that they do getting to be a part of like DVDs or like be basically playable legends characters and like video games. That there was a lot of that involved. So the idea of like being other sure on good terms with WWE towards the end of their career, and we're not complaining that it does it. It means we probably won't see a lot of Billy Ray anymore. And at Impact, I think we pretty much ran that well dry almost immediately after the Joyce Alexander match. Hard to kill, but <laughs> with their uh, Easter, I think they don't really need to wrestle that much anymore because like, Billy's got busted open radio and I think Dave one has got his whole like he runs a training school now, so I think they're both in a position where they don't really need to get like they don't have to like wrestle
1: all that often yeah and here's the thing see if he came back and did um, did what Tommy Dreamer's doing now in the digital media scene and like oh well oh god I'm going to have to put my career on the line I wouldn't have minded or if he was just, like, a mid-card guy. But it seems to be Bully is positioned prominently in the world title scene in Impact when there is multiple people. Alexander, Moose, Macklin, um, even Brian Myers, Alex Shelley, Chris Sabin, Kushida. You know, so many more people we'd rather see in that world title picture. Kazarian, when he stops pissing around, fighting over Maddie Dad Loves Me More, with Eddie Edwards, you know, people like that, there is so many more people in the, the Impact talent pool that we'd like to see in the world title scene, that Bully Ray being there is a bit of a, a pain in the backside, but you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes uh, I think I think uh, Rhino has a WWE Legends deal as well, but he is wrestling with Impact when fit, so it could mean that it's just a case of stopping him appearing on Tony Khan related television
0: yeah, I don't even know if Tony Khan would want a if he'd have a place for them. I yeah, he had R V D show up, but it didn't seem to go to the ECW well all that often. Even though he did do the random again, Sabu appearing for double nothing still feels like a fucking fever dream. I keep forgetting if that was real or not, or did I just did I just imagine it one day?
1: It was we. It was real. It was just to pop the owner of Fulham. Yeah, great Tony. Great user great use of resources why don't you use one of the 18 talents you haven't used this fucking century anyway
0: um, I, mean, if I, that happened, I don't even think Sabu remembers it
1: happened <laughs> let's move on to uh, Matt Riddle Matt Riddle taking off uh, this past weekend's uh, live event tour um, sorry uh, taking off this week's live event schedule I should say after an incident at the airport uh, with a TSA uh, guy he put allegations in towards a TSA agent after landing back from the Superstar Spectacle Show. uh, According to... E-Wrestling News reported, WWE has taken the decision to remove Matt Riddle from his scheduled appearance following allegations of sexual harassment made against a police officer at JFK Airport. So it was a police officer. I thought it was a, a TSA agent. Uh, at JFK Airport, New York City on su- uh, Sunday, the Port Authority is conducting an internal investigation into the matter. WWE has not issued a public statement as of writing, Riddle will not be appearing tonight's Raw or this weekend's live events in Idaho and Washington, where he pre- previously had been scheduled to perform. Um, the internal reason for Riddle being pulled is apparently due to medical illness. However, Matt Riddle did make comments on Instagram uh, since deleted, mm-hmm. uh, saying that he was sexually harassed and groped by a police officer while being searched at JFK uh, Airport, and he did put a photo of the man on social media. This is um, a, a weird one, you know. It's not like the usual jokey jokey stories we do here. This is. A serious allegation that Riddles put in, but um yeah, he's been removed from all, possibly to give him space. Because if mm-hmm. if it happened and you know, we don't know the full story. It is a traumatic experience, and it is nice to give him time to process and hopefully get a better headspace. I
0: love coming on this show. It's a very laugh. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> We chose now towards the point where we wind down, we're laughing, oh, I mean, we said we oh, yeah, I'm serious. No, Matt what I mean, yeah, it's, a, it's one thing we're talking about. I thought we, we chose this late to talk about it, but the, it's weird that it's kind of coming out of nowhere, like you said, the fact that you delete the comments shortly afterwards. Uh, it's weird, to you know, how you think of it, because you know, we have his statement about it. I don't think the people he accused have mentioned anything about it. Also, that aren't, like, commenting, that about what really happened so you can't really, really, really talk about it but you, do, like you said it's a serious allegation you know and if true obviously then Riddle should obviously pursue legal action against him and it's good that Dewey gave him the space but if it lands him and Dewey in a tricky situation if the allegations aren't true and if it's Riddle just getting away at this guy and say, say accuse him or something then it leaves him open to a lawsuit and potentially Dewey to it to a lawsuit as well
1: yeah um hopefully Riddle is okay and hopefully this thing does sort itself because it's, um, it's not a nice thing to read about, obviously. Um, I mean, it's been a weird year for Riddle
0: personally because like, he's said, a lot of other, there's been all sorts of other stories about him and his personal life and allegedly it's been, that's been put down to why he isn't doing much else with some other than doing with Drew or having him constantly lose a lot on TV, especially since he's Mind the Bank title show. So WWE seems to, I think there's clearly other things going on that WWE aren't taking much of a risk on Matt on TV because he's still trying to sort a lot of things out.
1: Yeah, and hopefully that does get sorted soon. Um, Let's talk about WWE contract talks to end us off. Uh, First off, Drew McIntyre has apparently been locked into a deal until after WrestleMania 40. and Apparently there are plans in place for him. on uh, on Raw up until then so it's good to see it looks like Drew is slowly but surely uh, turning heel he had a match with Xavier Woods this past um, this past week on Raw after talking trash about Kofi Kingston telling Woods it didn't have to be this way he's now going after Jey Uso uh, next week uh, saying that he hasn't forgotten about the hell that he's put them through and that he'll be keeping a close eye on him uh, another superstar, let me talk to you about him, it's Ellie Knight. Apparently, it was recently reported that Ellie Knight and WWE were close to agreeing a new five-year contract for the superstar, but according to Fightful Select, two sides may actually be further apart than initially thought. Fightful's reporting that while it's true, Knight and WWE have engaged in talks for a contract. Uh, both sides are far apart in terms of a number no Deal is said to have agreed to, nor is it thought to be immediately agreed upon, but negotiations are still set to continue indefinitely. Uh, A source described as a WWE higher-up told Fightful, there's no connection between this proposed contract extension and Knight's recent push on TV, citing several superstars who have deals coming up next year, but those pushes have remained unaffected. Um, Knight's current WWE current WWE deal is not one expiring next year, it's thought to run well into 2025 and it's thought to have over a year and a half left on it so it looks like they're trying to get him locked in and possibly on better uh, better terms given the fact that he is currently over as anything. Scott, your thoughts on Drew and on La Knight? I think looking at both them, I think
0: it comes down to both of them are looking for I think it's not just about money. I think it's about assurances in terms of their creative. So Drew turning heel, I think, is something a lot of people have talked about for a while, and I think it would be a much spent, much needed, you know, boost to his character, you know, fresh coat of paint and that. And the idea of like I'm going after Jay, you know, he'll probably be the heel in the feud. he you can t- you know he's justified because of the things that Jay done in the past. Also, even though he's turning heel, he's not forgetting what happened before. You know, like they were used to like pretend that. Things didn't happen when people change from heel to face or vice versa. And they teased, like, because Cody King is the one who will bring him back in storyline, if anything happened with Jay being up to his old tricks, he would hold Cody personally responsible, so it sets that up between those two. Maybe before WrestleMania, or if Cody does finally, as rumours are suggesting, finishes the story at WrestleMania, sets so Drew perfectly up as a big title contender immediately after WrestleMania. I think the turn, like you said, running up till. 40. I think it's a case for dre to see, like if creatively he's satisfied by that point he'll sign a longer deal and if he's not then he'll probably maybe choose to go elsewhere whereas I think Elliot Knight might be looking at it in terms of the keep ruining all those big push coming for Elliot big push coming for Elliot Knight is the story and you know you see it wait that's what they said after mining the bank but I think Elliot Knight at this point might be like a lot of us kind of waiting to see a little bit more proof of what they actually have Land firm in the Long term, and yeah, like it's it's amazing. Surprising that you know it's got a year and a half left. They're still trying to get into a more long term deal, and probably worth a lot more money because merchandise wise, he's probably starting to become one of their hottest sellers. He's over as anything. The the clips of his entrances keep getting shared on Twitter after every smackdown just to hear how much louder the pop is getting. So I think it's a case of like they know long term they've got someone with him, and they want to keep him, didn't keep him like tied down, make so sure he doesn't they don't lose him. On his end, he's like, well, what have you got for me long term? I'm like, I'm actually gonna do something on, on TV.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Um hold on, just any a rather out-of-the-blue news story that's just appeared on Wrestling Inc. Uh, Oscar winner Matthew McConaughey to appear on upcoming episode of WWE's The Bump. Um in a strange yeah. turn of events, it seems Academy Award winner. See, this is the curse of central. See, if I didn't check that, we that would have broke, and we would have been like shit. Um, in a strange turn of events, it seems Academy Award winner Matthew McConaughey will appear live on this uh, tomorrow, as of time recording today, as the show goes out uh, live on tomorrow's WWE The Bump. It's unclear why McConaughey is appearing on the show after the uh, as the current SAG uh, WGA strikes. Uh, Prevent the actor from promoting standard film and TV projects. Uh, Regardless of the strike, it's strange for McConaughey to appear on The Bump rather than one of WWE's leading flagship shows. Fans will have to wait and see tomorrow, apparently, uh, if tomorrow's appearance is leading to the actor getting involved in WWE or if he simply had some free time and suggests to a quick appearance. Um, Okay, so Matthew McConaughey is going to be on The Bump. Yeah. Like, he, he does seem to be a fan
0: of WWE. I think he has appeared once or twice. He's done some stuff on WWE's YouTube with, like, Drew McIntyre before. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I guess he can't be on the picket line all, all day long. Apparently, Matt's just going to take a wee year and go on the fucking,
1: the bump. Right. I love it. Sorry, there you go. Oh, there you go. I love how the, um... <laughs> The press release says, The Bump is a WWE YouTube show uh, recapping all of WWE's weekly entertainment. Matthew McConaughey has acting credits such as, Who doesn't know who Matthew McConaughey is?
0: I, know, I, do, I think that the press release was put out by WWE. The fact that they have to explain what The Bump is, again, probably shows how few people actually watch The Bump.
1: Aye. Well, it just went out via Twitter just there, WWE's official Twitter. Tomorrow at 1pm Eastern Time. All right, all right, all right. Oh, sorry, let me do that properly. All right, all right, all right. Oscar <laughs> winner Matthew McConaughey joined us on the bump. Um. Well, all right, all right, all right. Fair play. Um, a lovely random story for us to wrap up with, this, Scott. Aye, I'll say so. <laughs> <laughs> Well, join us next week when we'll be reviewing Matthew McConaughey's appearance on Doctor E's The Bump, and I'm sure there'll be more mental things happening with CM Punk. Thank you very much, Scott, for joining me. Uh, You're very welcome. And of course, remember, massive back catalogue, previews, reviews, interviews, and all the news, Eat Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, iTunes, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites, at Suplex, Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we're on it. Oh, Scott! Big question. What, what should we make the big question this week? We almost forgot about it.
0: Oh. And as soon as you ask me that, I keep i forgot in half the shit we've... Oh, right. let, let, let's speak of something Impact related in celebration of Impact
1: 1000. There you go. Impact 1000. Uh, Impact 1000 will be airing this coming Thursday. What is your favourite Impact match or moment? And who? who is the best Impact wrestler of all time? There you are. And why is it Shark Boy? Anyway, thank you for joining us. We'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky